0: All right, everybody. Um, Hi, my name is Larry Walker. This is my first time standing up here, and I just want to take it in for a second. Okay? So, if you would be willing to stand with me, and we will read God's Word together. We are going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 today. So, there it is. All right, here we go. The Word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? but others mock, saying, they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, guys. That sounded great. I held my breath when I ran down there. Um, It's great to see all of you. It's great to be here. Um, My name is Larry Walker. If we've not met before, I'm one of the elders at this church and also on staff. Uh, And along with the deacons, I uh, help lead neighborhood ministries. Um we are currently in a series on conflict, forgiveness, and reconciliation, and uh, John basically, in his introduction today, took the first two pages of my sermon. I'm just kidding, John, he definitely wanted to preach. Um, this is the last sermon in the series, and the reason I wanted to finish it up here with this passage is that uh, in it you get a glimpse of the heart of God and you get a glimpse of his plans for the world. And particularly these people, and you can get an understanding uh, for where we get the power to do the things that we've been talking about in the sermon series. So, how does one get the power to forgive? How do you uh, how do you get the power to call people to give restitution in uh, a day when we don't want to admit our guilt? You know, where do you get the power for peacemaking and reconciliation? I am going to definitely need this uh, this handkerchief. These are like these are like tanning bed lights up here. Um, And we almost had like the triple crown of Pentecostalism today. Uh, Today is uh, the day of Pentecost. We're talking about the day of Pentecost in a Pentecostal church by a Presbyterian. Um, So close, so close. Um, I say that because uh, this might be a somewhat short sermon uh, in part because there's so much that's there is to be understood that I don't know. You know, um, in our theological strain, these things make us nervous, right? Like if it doesn't fit neatly into like a systematic theology category, we Presbyterians sort of, we like break and need like a factory reset, you know? Uh, We're very uncomfortable with things that don't fit into like a clear category for us. Um, And it's interesting that we now worship at a Pentecostal church every Sunday. So I'm gonna do three quick points. Uh, what is Pentecost? This was this took a lot of studying for me. I, I thought I knew, and I realized I didn't. Um, then what can we learn from the birth of the church? What are the things we can learn? And then just kind of a conclusion. So first, what is Pentecost? So Pentecost has a long history, uh, very long. Uh, it's sometimes called the Feast of Weeks, uh, sometimes called Shav- Shavuot, it's S-H-A-V-U-O-T. Uh, and sometimes called Pentecost, and meaning 50 days from from Easter um, or Passover. It's also a day that Jewish people um, would celebrate the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, and it's the festival of the first fruits. Uh, It's very important to remember. When I was thinking about this sermon, two things stuck in my head, first fruits and the giving of God's word, right? So just remember that as we keep going here. It's important to remember first fruits, which is the first taste looking to the harvest, and the giving of the law. Um, but a lot of what we're going to be looking at today is uh, the birth of the church as we know it. Um, one of the traditions in my family uh, that my kids really enjoy is we retell their birth stories. We, we talk about you know what it was like whenever we suddenly were like, we got to run to the hospital. And you run there and then you wait. And then we have these stories we tell about each one about how it's especially at the dinner table. If you've been over to our house for dinner, you've probably heard us do this. And we talk about how you could see glimpses of each kid's personality like right away. I could go through every one of them and talk about how this kid was loud instantly. This kid slept a lot instantly. Uh, this kid seemed to be taking in the world, you know? This kid was born in the uh, amniotic sac, if that's what you call it, is it what you call it? Yeah, uh, that was James, which was crazy because he was just swimming in this little, it was crazy, now he loves the pool. Um, So uh, we would joke about this, sort of, but also sort of like God made you uniquely and you can tell right away that you're different, you know, Uh, and we love to tell these stories. I also think about that in reference to this passage. There's so much that you can learn about who we are and what our family is and where we come from and like, why did God do it this way, you know, Uh, and we can learn about what God's doing in the world. So let's retell the story. Uh, This season begins for Jewish people with the Passover, all right? So followed immediately by the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, which they're so close together that they're often referred to as the same thing. These festivals speak to Israel's former slavery and bondage, and then their redemption. And at the end of this time period on the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, uh, you offer bread with leaven in it. So you begin the season by removing the old leaven on Passover, and you end it by adding in the new leaven. Right? And this is significant because um, Jesus changes so much of what we understand about the Old Testament. And one of the things that he clarified was this understanding about leaven. In Matthew 16, uh, after conflict with the Pharisees and Sadducees, Jesus warns his disciples to be on guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, they understood that he was not telling them to be aware of the leaven used in bread but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? So when we hear leaven, it's appropriate for us to think about teachings and doctrines and beliefs that can permeate a people and a generation even, right? So what's the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? It's the doctrines and traditions of men infused with religious language. Uh, it's rules-based, it's graceless, and a kind of a hopeless system of doctrines that saves no one and offers no real hope, right? So... This season begins with the removing of old leaven, right? And on this day, in a time where they celebrated the first fruits, uh, looking forward to the coming harvest, the Spirit of God comes in a really new way. So in the Old Testament, there were plenty of times that the Spirit of God resided in people. And this is something unique, because it's, it's the Spirit coming into a, gr- a huge group of people, 3,000 at one point, point. Um, and on this day, the Spirit comes in a new way. And in the same way, God gives us in this passage a bit of a foretaste of what is to come. So what can you learn from first fruits, right? This is the first fruits of the church in a sense. So first fruits, like if if you're talking about like apples, and you go and you try the apples, and they're small and they're sweet, you know for the first fruits, for this harvest, it's going to be these types of apples. So you begin to plan and think through what you're gonna cook and all that. You can learn a lot about what a harvest will be by the first fruits. So what kind of harvest does God want? So what can we learn from the birth of the church? Uh, Way more than I could ever explain in a sermon for sure. But at the end of the Gospel of Luke, uh, who's the same man who wrote Acts, uh, we see this exchange between Jesus and his disciples. And he says, he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And in his name, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you but remain in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So the promise that Jesus is saying here that the Father is going to send is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, what happens? Well, instantly, cultural and language barriers disappear. Right? Not because cultural and language barriers aren't real and they don't matter, uh, these are real things, but they don't—they aren't barriers to the spread of God's word. Does that make sense? And so the spirit comes and in a sense sort of knocks these things down. Not because they're not real, but because they're no match for God's plans and purposes. So the plans to build a multicultural, multilingual people who would tell the mighty works of God. And this is what we're sort of caught up in. I don't know if you guys have watched the other uh, church that worships in here. If you've seen any of their services online, um, it's different than ours. I think that's real safe to say. Um, so he'll preach in English, then he'll switch to Spanish. Sometimes they'll speak in tongues. It's very different than what we do here. And there are some ways in which uh, I think they they understand things that we may not know about this. You know, uh, th- this is something I was thinking. What language was the first sermon preached? Uh, in on the day of Pentecost. All of them. The, God wanted the first sermon to preach to be preached in all the languages, and that's God's heart. We can learn that God wants us to tell everyone that God doesn't have barriers that we create. So while everyone thought they were coming from all over the world to taste the first fruits of the harvest of barley and grain, they were actually coming to taste the first fruits of the kingdom of God. And just as much as I can glean something about my children's personalities from their birth or what the harvest will be like from the first fruits, we can glean something about what God's plan is for us. And it certainly isn't to be homogenous or monocultural people, but rather kind of a tapestry of humanity representing every tribe, tongue, and nation. So, why does all this matter, right? Uh, Why will we talk about this? Why is it important? Um, When I wrote this part, I wrote, the last year and a half have been difficult. And then I was like, wait a minute, Before the last year and a half, things were kind of difficult too, you know? And then before that, and before that, you know? So here's what I wrote. The last just over 2,000 years have been kind of difficult um, because it's true, war after war. And as soon as God brings people together in love, uh, the world, which is our collective sin in a way, our flesh, which is my sins, and our enemy, the devil, begin immediately attacking, immediately. Uh, and it's been hard, hard at work dividing us. Um, and In many ways, we kind of go along with it in the church. We perpetually create new denominations and sliver ourselves up more and more and more. Um, often, but not always. We're part of the division. In this church, we're, we're no different. We, are, we get caught up in the world just as easily. Um, there are divisions here. So there's a reason we're doing this sermon series. It wasn't just for the fun of it. You know, it's not super exciting to be like, let's talk about conflict again, you know. Um, seven weeks in a row or whatever it is. Um, In this church, we're different. There are divisions in this church. We have folks who stand on different political sides, uh, political issues. We have marriages that struggle. Um, We have differing views on racial and class discussions. Uh, We have really differing theological views represented in this church. Um, We have all reacted in the last year and a half at different times and in different ways to the pandemic and all the attached decisions and factions that come out of that. Think about this. Like a year and a half, two years ago, what was your opinion on mask, right? What was your opinion on half the things that, like John just said, have someone from your pod send a text message. What? Like, this language is insane, you know? And we're like all rolling with it. Just like, what does my background and my parenting and my culture and my fears or my insecurities, how do they help me shape my decisions? And then we, we are sort of forced even in the last year and a half to segment, segment ourselves into pods. This is insane. So of course there are factions that come up. And, but before that, we have people who were in home meeting together and just annoyed one another. And so they quit going to home meeting together. Um, We have people who just don't like one another sometimes. I get it, there are people that I don't like, there are plenty of people who don't like me, I'm positive, I get the emails. Um, We also have very distinct neighborhoods represented in this church. We have Port Richmond, Fishtown, Northern Liberties, those are actually different socioeconomic groups often, you know, that are represented in this church. And you better believe that your cultural background and just what you see when you look out the window every day, how that shapes the way you see the world, right? So, that was just a vomit, guys. Sorry. Um, we have so many different things and that so many different groups, but we are one body. One of the things that stood out to me in this passage that was almost all I was going to talk about is that they were together in one accord. And I don't think that meant that they agreed on all these issues. I think that they had the same spirit, with the same Savior, with the same Father, with the same God that they are worshiping. That's what we have. So, in conclusion, that was pretty fast, wasn't it? Um, Sisters, brothers, mothers, fathers, and sons and daughters, we should reconcile. We are the church. Um, We need to fight to resist any divisions that arise among us. Um, We are in so many ways on a very interesting and beautiful journey along with the church. And there are ways that it seems that God's spirit is moving in the world that is really new and unique. Uh, what you mentioned about people dreaming dreams, uh, there's a man named Ed Gross, that's his name, I always mix him up with Ed Roach, sorry Ed, uh, they're both strange um, and awesome. But uh, he he tells about these house church movements where one of the primary means of conversion are dreams about Jesus, and Presbyterians are like, well, then they're not Presbyterian, you know? Um So, um, I'm just saying God is doing something, and you better believe he's doing something with this church. So in the last year and a half, think about all the racial tensions and the divisions that have happened, but what were we thinking in leaving 2424, which is like one of the best rooms in the River Wards, right? I believe we were supposed to. but. In some ways, it was in in the world's eyes, it's got to be one of the silliest things that's ever been done, you know. In terms of just like a good business move, you know, let's go to a smaller space, right, uh, where we're sharing with another church. But but there's something really beautiful about what God is doing here because what we're essentially doing is we are we've given up some comforts, right? The the tailoring of things to our desires in order to gain. A bit of a relationship with a church that's very different than us. And so I think God is moving here. There are big things happening. uh, And the only thing that will really stand in the way of that is us willing to be divided amongst one another. So if we're unwilling to reconcile. So that was a clunky way to say we should make up if we can, if we possibly can. Um, So it it may seem silly even to do it, but this season for us, Liberty, Liberty Church Begins not with Passover but with Easter, which commemorates our freedom from bondage—not from Egypt, but to our own sin, and to the world and the flesh and the devil. And in this, we seek to remove the leaven of false gospels and false hopes and false barriers that we've set up, and we seek to add in the teaching of God. So, in in a sense, there's something symbolic here that I see. We we are in the season, but we also entered a new space. So there, this. Entering a new space like this gives us a chance to start fresh, right? So we can put aside some of our differences and we can seek to unify, so. But the teaching that, that we wanna put on, this is, this is something that I thought was really interesting, is the beginning of, of this begins with, you know, you remove the old leaven and you add in the new, which is teaching, right? And one of the biggest things that's celebrated on Pentecost is the giving of the law. Right? So on Pentecost is also when God wrote the law on stone tablets on Sinai, right? And um, the prophet Jeremiah, though, interestingly says that the law is now written on our hearts. So uh, by the Spirit of God. So the law of God, which can be summed up with love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, strength, everything in you, and love your neighbor as you love yourself is now written on our hearts, Okay. So we're part of this harvest that started in Acts. And uh, we long for more people to be saved. But we don't want them to be just invited into a divided body. We want to divide them into united. So we need to reconcile. So before you come to the table today, I don't know what John's going to say. He's going to wrap up all the loose ends. Um, He does. Mark my words. Watch it. Um, Get your cameras ready. I want you to consider who you may be holding something against in this church. Like really think about it. Like they said something to you in some way. You know, they, they gave you a look. You gave them a look, right? You have you have some bitterness or staleness in your relationship. If you can possibly make peace, I recommend you do it. I don't mean uh, like, uh, like run up to someone before communion and be like, I've never liked your face. Just the way you look, the way you look at me. I don't like it, you know, I don't mean that. Uh, but if there's something that you can work through, work through it, okay? Um, if you cannot, I get it too, like this is something Uh, John and I discussed, I've talked to a counselor about this before, but for, I know that forgiveness is really rough sometimes. Uh, You know, I'm working through forgiving people in my life. I have a crazy relationship with my parents. And uh, for years, I was able to just like sort of wash my hands of them in a sense, you know? And, And then they, both my parents made professions of faith. And I was like, crap, Ugh. now I gotta like I gotta like work through this. I'm gonna spend eternity with him maybe. You know, I thought I was going someplace different. Um, my parents and I have a rough relationship, okay? So I'm saying it's hard to forgive when there's layers of abuse, okay? I know it's not simple. So I'm not calling you, if you're someone who's experienced something like that, I'm not saying do something foolish and just let it go. Like there are things that you do owe forgiveness, um, but sometimes you need walk through that. And so that's what John mentioned, we're doing in a couple weeks on a Tuesday. So if you can't then consider meeting with one of the leaders of this church, there are elders and deacons and staff um, to talk through the process of reconciliation. So Tuesday, June 1st uh, at six o'clock, there will be childcare and food and we'll come and we'll talk about how much we don't like, I'm just kidding. And we'll come and we'll work it out, okay? So if you need some guidance in this area, come talk to us. So love you guys and let's make peace with one another in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen